0: Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving weekend. We want to welcome, especially those of you family members who are visiting family and you decided to come with your family to Southbrook this weekend, or maybe you're watching online. We going to give you a, a warm welcome to um, just, for some of you, this church may be just so different. To us, it's not, but to you it may be. And uh, we want to let you know that not only will we sing a little bit, we're just done, we're going to hear a song later will give you the opportunity to take communion on your own, maybe with your family or your friends that you're here with. The, the reason that we mostly do communion that way is so that it can be relational, and you can actually do it the way it was intended to be done. That is in a circle, uh, hopefully not in isolation. You're going to see why that's important today. Last weekend, we uh, had a few people up here representing City Lights, and there were some hoodie sweatshirts, we want you to know you can go on to the southbrook.store and you can actually get one of those for yourself, maybe for a Christmas present this year. And the reason that that's important is in light of today's subject matter, one of the, the things I would love to see is I would love to see every time I go into Lowe's or, or someplace like Menards or, some, or Kroger, that uh, I would love to see those shirts because as you'll see today... There is a way that sometimes what we wear can be a conversation starter. And of course, we've all seen the tacky witness wear that's done, and uh, we don't want to do that. But on the other hand, these city light sweatshirts that you saw last week are a great way to let people know that the core message of the gospel of Christ, as far as it depends on us, is love God and love your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor. And this is the way the gospel of Christ gets spread to the world, and we believe it's the hope of the world. Um, today, we're going to talk about as we conclude this series, heaven, earth needs you. We're going to to round this out by talking about lost things being found. Now, I don't know about you, but ever since I was a little guy, I, I have some of my earliest memories are being fanatical about. Finding something that had been lost. My wife will tell you that I'm obsessive about not losing things. And it really bleeds into how I see the church. And that is, it's a place that is to to be all about helping those who are lost find home. Helping those who are in the dark find the light. And I don't know about you, but I know our family has those stories of lost things being found. If you've been around Southbrook for very long, one of the apocryphal stories in our family history is back when our kids were about eight or nine years of age. They're grown now with their own kids, but one of our apocryphal stories is we were at Hilton Head, one of the earlier days for us going where we vacationed at Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. And Austin had already gotten these really nice Speedo goggles, they were really nice, they just fit on his face perfectly. But Jordan had these old cheapo goggles that just didn't fit on her face very well. And uh, she, was, she was the kind that she would just suck it up, and she's like, I'm not going to ask. She's just always wanting to kind of make peace with everything. But they didn't fit. And we noticed, Sherry and I noticed, she's out in the ocean, and she doesn't have her goggles on. She comes back into the tent, and she, we say, what, what's up with not wearing your goggles? Yeah, oh, they just don't fit. They just don't fit on my face. They just The water comes in, and it's just they just don't fit on my face. She said, I'd really like some of those goggles that that Austin has, but I didn't want to ask. And Sherry looks at her and says, okay, when we go out tonight, we'll go to the sporting goods store and we'll get you the goggles that are just like Austin. I kid you not. And we have witnesses who can verify this. She goes back out into the Atlantic Ocean, which is a rather sizable pond, wouldn't you say? And she goes back out into the ocean. And a few minutes later in her blue and lime green swimming suit, she comes running back at us and she's holding these blue and lime green Speedo goggles saying, I prayed for these goggles. I prayed for these goggles. Evidently while she'd been in the ocean, she felt something at her feet and it was these in perfect condition, blue and lime green goggles. Speedos, same kind as Austin. All I want to say to that today is I'm glad they weren't blue and yellow, because I would have been throwing them back into the ocean. Uh, Anybody with me on that? (laughs) But she, I prayed for this. I prayed for this. And uh, that girl's been a praying fool ever since. But there was more rejoicing on that beach over one pair of lost goggles that was lost and then found than all of the things that happened on vacation. We all have our stories of finding that thing that was lost. Now, real interesting thing about the church. The church was meant to be the agency of God's heavenly light coming to the darkness of earth. And one of the things you see in the early church is how they counted lost things. They counted lost things. Let me give you an example. It shows how God said, I want you to be in the business of finding lost things that are valuable to me. Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. So this movement that will eventually topple the Roman Empire is gaining steam in droves. And then it says in Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to their number... Daily, those who are being saved. Now, why is that significant? It's because from the very get-go, they're about numbers. They're about numbers. Example, Acts 1-2, the, the 11 gathered together, 12 minus 1, minus Judas. Acts one fifteen, there were about 120 in the upper room. They made sure that that number was known. After the day of Pentecost, when the church launched, Acts two forty one, and now the number of disciples was about 3,000. Think about that. So this thing is, it's going up in droves. Uh, Somebody was keeping track of the numbers. And then we find out later, a few weeks after that, it's 5,000. And then that's just including just, they would have just counted men in that culture. They would have counted men as sort of the heads of the family. And so now we, historians estimate, this is between 10 and 20,000 people. Somebody was counting. Now, why is that? Here's why. And you need to know this. There are no statistics when it comes to God. There are only people. There are only people. Statistics don't matter to God. But the reason they counted people is because people count. Who matters to God? Every single one. Every single one. Now, if you're a parent, you know this to be true. Let's say you have three children and you're coming back from Thanksgiving vacation, and your little fall break, and you find yourself in Terminal C at the Greater Cincinnati Airport. And you, you know, as a parent, you have to keep track of them because somebody's going to drop their bag, and if you're not, one of you doesn't keep an eye on one of those kids, you are making Home Alone Five, right? All of a sudden, you're 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 uh, you're losing one of those kids. Well, let's say you get in the car and you're coming down toward, you know, you're coming north on 75, and you look in the back seat and 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 you notice we've got two kids in the back seat. At that point, the father doesn't say, "Well, you know what? In our family, we're into quality, not quantity. We're into quality. All that, all that matters. We have two quality kids." If you're a parent, what are you thinking? We're into quantity. Three kids means there better be three kids in the back of our vehicle. Because when it comes to people, there are no statistics. There are only people. And this is why they counted. This is why they numbered the people. It's because there are no statistics. There are only people. And often, often you'll hear us say in church, you'll say, oh, you know, we're, we're not into numbers. We're just into quality, not quantity. Well, wait a minute. Why did they count? It's because every single one mattered. Every single one mattered. And what we see in the New Testament is we see this representation of this, of this, in a, especially one of the most beloved passages in the New Testament, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is into numbers. As you'll see in a minute, some people are saying, why does he... Why does he fraternize with unseemly sinners? You didn't do that as a rabbi. Why does he hang around with people who are not of the upper crust of religion? And he tells three stories, three parables. And and the parables of Jesus are not how to live. They always tell what God is like. Here's what God is like. And the first parable is there's a shepherd who has nine, has 100 sheep, and one of those 90 uh, sheep get lost and 99 or less. Does the shepherd say, well, you know what? I'm in the quality game, not the quantity game. Is that what he says? What does he do? He goes looking for that lost sheep. This is the heart of God. There's a woman who has 10 coins, and one of those coins is lost. Does she say, I'm into the quality game, not the quantity game? No, she goes looking through the she, the, the couch cushions to find that lost coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices. Why? Because it's not about quality. It's about quantity. Everyone matters. And there's a father who has two sons, and one of those sons gets lost. Does the father say, I'm into quality, not quantity? That's not the way parental math works, is it? Parental math doesn't work that way. Every son matters. And so when we get to the end of this series, and we've been saying, heaven, earth needs you. We wanted to end this series with a bang by making you uncomfortable about a challenge we're going to give you that will frame how you live every day of your life. It'll bring immediate meaning to your life if you follow through on today's challenge immediate every interaction with every barista every checkout clerk every waitress every friend every family member will have immediate immediate meaning because you have seen yourself now as i am a city light my task is the same as that of jesus In Ephesians, it says that he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's what I am. I'm reflecting the light of Christ with my life everywhere I go. And every interaction has potential light-bearing meaning. Just look. Just look at this section of Luke 15. I'm going to read in the Message Bible, which is a real contemporary translation. By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus. What does that say about him? It says a lot, because the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the religious mafia of his day said, you don't hang out with what they called the people of the land. These were unholy people that by by hanging out with them, you made yourself unholy. And this is where Jesus caused all kinds of tension. this would eventually actually get him crucified because they just couldn't mesh his holiness with his propensity to hang out with the unreputables, the people who were not of religious ilk. And they were listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased, and they growled, He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered this story, and not just this one, but about a coin and a son. Suppose one of you had 100 sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? In that day, uh, the average flock was 30. So Jesus is talking about a very large flock. Often communities would have community flocks, and they would bring all their flocks together in community, and often you could get a very large a very large flock, when it was a community flock, and someone was designated to be the one who went out of the village when a a part of the flock was lost. And who was that spiritually? He's talking about himself here. When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing, After you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one, you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. This literally would happen. Well, there would be a community celebration because the value of one sheep was understood, even though the flock was large. Count on it. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than, than over 99 good people going to church every Sunday. Now, that's not what it says, but you get the drift here, don't you? That, you know, uh, Wyatt is one of our neighbors, and his dad, Jim, was weeping in the green room and in his seat behind me in a minute ago, because Why? Only heaven and its angels know what really happened in that baptism today. We really don't. We really don't. But the angels do. They understand one person, even as young as he is, the reality of the sin contaminant in this world has already affected Wyatt and will affect his life, but for the rescuing power of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's right. And I want you to notice something about this. In light of today, that though the flock was large, the one was significant. The one was significant. And especially when you're in a larger church like this one, I know you do this. You tend to think, I'm just not that important. We well, are to God. You are to God. That's why these parables are in the New Testament. That's why we see Jesus stopping by the side of the road for one lone blind man, one lone beggar, one man with a withered hand. Why he stops at a well for how many women? How many? One woman, one woman caught in adultery. Over and over again, you see it. You tend to notice Jesus in front of crowds. What people miss is how many times Jesus stopped for that one person because who matters to God? Is he in the quantity business? Not first, God's in the, he's in the quantity business, not the quality business. He's the parent, he's the father who says, hey, heavenly math doesn't work in terms of, we got 80% of the kids here, that's good. It doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, many of us, as I share that power of one, will not, will remember that the most popular Christian movie, uh, Christmas movie of all time is based on this concept that one matters, doesn't it? What's the name of that movie? Home Alone. Hey, we're missing one and the mom says we're in paris i'm going home right now did you ever notice the dad goes let's just wait till vacation's over well you know did you ever notice that I said, it always gets lost in that the mom is the one going i'm going through anything to find my lost son and this is heavenly math this is why God was in the counting business because there are no statistics, there are only people. And no matter what you, right now, right now, you're sitting here and there are right now probably a thousand people listening right now. And you tend to think, who does? Who am I? Who am I? And God knows, as a matter of fact, the scriptures say God has the very hairs of your head numbered. He knows you to your intimate level of detail. He is the shepherd who lo- who left the flock to come after you. You did not initiate your relationship with God. He searched you out first. This is very significant. You didn't ask him out on a date, wondering once he realizes I'm not all that much, he's gonna find out and ditch me. He asked you out long before. I love this story about a college student who was in a large class of about 400. Did any of you have those? You know, those large classes. And it was a final exam, and the professor said, Listen, you're gonna to have to turn your exam in at the buzzer. If you turn it in after the buzzer, don't even bother turning it in. You're late, you failed. Buzzer goes off. This one gal, she doesn't have her exam done. She's almost done, but she doesn't quite have it done. Buzzer sounds. About five minutes later, she goes up and he looks at her and he says, He goes, You might as well not turn it in. You failed. You didn't you didn't get the final buzzer. She says, Professor, do you know who I am? And he says, no, and it doesn't matter. Good, she said, and she stuffed her test in the middle of the stack of tests went out, the, went out the, the classroom. And it's so easy to think that in a in a in a large crowd, I don't matter. I don't matter. You matter to God. And so does your friend. And so does your neighbor. And so does that barista. And so does that waitress. So does your coworker. I'm at core, I'm an evangelist. I mean, that's really how God designed me. My core value is I don't want anyone left out of the party. I feel I, I, I carry the weight of sometimes I don't even know your name, and that bothers me. And I call some of you Joe or Jim and Susie, and you're Sharon, and I hate it when I do that because I want so badly for you to know you matter to God. And so does your friend, so does your loved one. Here's an old picture, there's an old painting, you've seen this, of a shepherd who is clinging to the edge of a cliff to reach for the one lost sheep. You ever seen that? Clinging to the edge of the cliff. The parables don't tell us how to live, they show us what God is like. And and in that day, they actually had a saying, the Pharisees. I mean, I I know there had to be good Pharisees, but they really, boy, they were the religious mafia. That's what they were. And there was actually a saying in that day that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who is destroyed. Do you see why he said what he said? He says there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes home. He turned the story because he said, this is what God is like. This is what God is like. One of the things that's happened to us post-COVID is what COVID has done is brought us back to our core of who we are. And that is, we were always a church that had just a high value of bringing our friends who were far from God back to Him. And this is what drove our church. And we just really are in a phase of rebooting and saying, wait a minute, it's all about the one. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's that person you're praying for that they would find the light of Christ that you've either found or some of you refound through this church? Who's your one? who is your one? And one of the life verses, you've heard me share this before. One of my life verses in Philemon verse six, it's buried in one of those little New Testament letters where the apostle Paul says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ that the, the easiest way for you to know the power of Christ in your life is to be someone who is a city light, that you see yourself as, I am an agent of the light that I've been given. And I'm telling you, some of the most unlikely people are and the most light-bearing evangelists around this place. If I told you people who have brought more people to Christ around here and you 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 would, you would you know, some of you know those people, and you go, oh, no way. There's no way he's been. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. Because often it's the people that are most messed up that understand the power of the light of grace. They understand it. They're not not just a polished, hey, Jesus has, you know, he raised my batting average. No, Jesus saved my life. They get it. Uh, Luke nineteen ten, Jesus said, "I, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save what was lost." He's about finding that person that other people have written off. Other people have written off. And the heartbeat of our church has been Matthew ten thirteen. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. And here's the thing. You probably, many of you are part of the 99. If you want to flourish here, you will live your life to leave the 99 every day when you walk out of this building and to know who your ones are and not be someone who is arrogant and pushy about Jesus remember my little thing about you walk into a theater and and someone says to you is that seat saved and you look at him and say no but the question is are you saved brother you know <laughs> not that person but the person through your personality you're able to you're able to say you know here's here's the light of Christ in my life I had a friend a while back who who uh, became a friend through tennis we started playing tennis together and and I could tell that uh, this friend was far from God. And uh, one day we're walking into the locker room and, and uh, I, I said, uh, uh, I was calling Pete, that was his name. I said, Pete, you're, you seem tired. He goes, yeah, we got a new puppy. And uh, well, we're not getting much sleep. And I said, I said you know, I think, I, think, I think dogs are a sign that God loves us, I'll be honest with you. Like, like dogs, all they give is that the only value they have on the planet is love that's it they only give the most important thing i said cats are assigned the devil's after us but that's a whole nother conversation okay that's a whole nother conversation and 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 you know i remember it that actual that led to a spiritual conversation it led to a spiritual conversation uh i invited him he came once and then as far as i know he never came again he moved away And so I wish, you know, you looked at me one day and said, there's the jacuzzi. Why can't I be baptized? You know, it didn't didn't turn out that way. But so often, you'll be amazed at how through your personality, I know some of you will reach people I will never reach because I'm a pastor. If you just see yourself as a city light. If you see yourself as someone that, there's someone out there that has your story. Theologian Paul Tillich once said these words. Look at these words on the screen. He said, there are three needs of humanity, that all the affluence, all the education, all the titles will never solve these three problems. There is the problem of guilt. Not only your guilt, but the guilt of others upon you. There is the problem of meaninglessness to life. And there is the problem of death and all the affluence in the world. The real interesting thing is, many of you, your ones have 100-inch flat-screen televisions. What's Jesus going to bring to their life? You know? Because you can look at someone and go, what am I going to give them? Through? Wait now. You can be watching your 100-inch flat-screen TV, and you're watching in the dark. And the heartbeat of our church, is that Jesus comes into us and he meets all three of those needs that are core. Christ intercepts all three of those. You may have noticed today that um, we've had some folks, you may not have noticed this till now, who are sitting in the dark and an empty chair. And the picture that we want you to see here is your friend with a 100-inch flat screen is very likely isolated. There's a really good chance they're watching that in the dark. In other words, a lot of the people many of you will have an impact on, they've got three-car garages. On the surface, it doesn't seem like their batting average needs to go up. But there are three needs that no amount of affluence, no amount of education, no amount of titles is they're ever going to serve, the problem of guilt, the problem of meaninglessness, and the problem of death. All of us are gonna face those three entities at some point. I want you to hear from them. You know, in Ephesians it says that Jesus Christ brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I began this series by saying what heaven will be, will be the perpetual light of God's presence. That's what it will be. No more hiding. No more isolation, no more fear, no no more secret sin. We're like it's it's all there covered in grace and truth, and 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 our stuff is burned away by his light, and now we're living in his presence perpetually. That at the end of the day, I began this series by telling you what heaven is gonna be. It's gonna be perpetual freedom of the presence of God, if that's what you want. People can actually experience heaven today on this earth. That's why. Matthew ten seven, Jesus said, now you go around preaching that the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the heavens is now here. You can begin to live like you're living in heaven right now in the light of his presence. So I want you to hear their stories because they're, they are your stories. And so Katie Parks and Greg Holt and Lexi Lehman are gonna come forward right now. Would you welcome them out here? To tell their stories. Guys, would you come out of the darkness and into the light? So one of the things I want to ask you guys uh, is to tell the church. Katie, begin with you. Um what who who is responsible for your being in the light of Christ's community now? Who, who, who would you look back on and say, these one or two people were very strategic? I was their one.
1: Um, it's a great question. First of all, thank you for having us, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of such an incredible family. Um, for me, there, my immediate thought goes back to someone named Amanda, and her husband, JR, and they were incredibly impactful, especially moving up here in my young 20s and new state, new everything, and um, so they were incredibly impactful. And then furthermore, as my relationship grew with Southbrook, um, my husband, he's actually the one who introduced me to Southbrook, said, don't worry, it's not weird, I'm not weird, we'll figure it out. Um, Like, (laughs) on the third date, I'm like, we're going to church? Um, so, and then a hot day, hey, hey, right? hot day, free coffee. I'll take yeah. it. Um, and then after getting to know Southbrook a little bit, um, I have to say, Carrie and Eric are to this day, Carrie Shrewsbury and Eric Fleming and Eric are Fleming. to this day, tried and true,
0: which so. Eric is back there in the booth right now with his Michigan hat on rejoicing, which shows God can use anyone. God can use anyone to bring people to Jesus. So. I see you back there, Eric Fleming with a smile. Uh, So they were pivotal. Alexi, I want to go to you next and and ask this question. You're a student at Centerville High School. And, uh, you know, I've known you since you were in diapers because your dad and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, Aside from your mom and dad, and I I want to tell that story here in a moment, who who has been so impactful to you being counted among the light of Christ today?
2: Okay, so um, obviously my mom, has always been at Southbrook. But, um, okay, so she's always had like youth groups, huddles, that kind of stuff, inner healings at our house. So I naturally kind of grew up naturally being exposed to a variety of different kinds of people. So I think Karen Maxwell, she's the one that baptized me. She's always played a big part in my life. And then more recently, um, Bailey Risk, she introduced me to the production team and Like, I can basically say my whole friend group is a production team at this point. Wow.
0: I think we have a picture of that team, don't we? Did we see see that already? Uh, Maybe not. There there we go. There we go.
2: Yeah. With the Christmas
0: lights in the background.
2: Yes. So um, Ridley Austin, she's also played a big part in my life. And Sam Proctor, Malca Young, and Isaac Matthews, they've all played really big
0: And So the cool thing there is how many students are living in isolation today? And how God just has a heart for students living in the darkness of isolation. And what you just what you just illustrated there is you're living in the light of so many people. And you stepped out, right? You stepped out into that. I want to come back to that in a minute, Greg. For you, uh, you know, your story is so cool. Greg uh, was a part of a, comp- a local company. And we were doing a Bible study there back in 1992, and you were one of those who thought, why are they bringing those crazy Bible thumpers in here to do a Bible study? And But there's a whole story behind that, right?
3: There is. Um, and I've, I've told Charlie this before. I did not like Charlie. <laughs> um,
0: he's a rare one. I mean, he's
3: rare. <laughs> he, he's starting to wear on me a little bit. Uh, my mom and dad brought me to church. Uh, they were Baptist missionaries, and that was it was their religion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not mine. Yeah. And you ticked me off because you walked in and you represented that bull crap.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. So
0: And so what age were you? When you started being open to coming out of darkness into the light. Yourself. Your faith. Greg Holt's faith.
3: Going through a divorce will do that. And an amazing wife that makes me want to be a better person. Yeah. Mm
0: Amen. Yeah. Now... Greg, the the real interesting thing there is, uh, I don't know if we showed the picture yet of Greg and Barb, but many of you know Barb as being one of our worship leaders. Now look at this. Who brought Barb to this church?
3: Well, she told me when we were dating that if I thought she was going to make decisions based on God for our family, that I was crazy. She would never do that. And she puts my faith to shame.
0: And you were the one who invited her into this, right? Isn't that amazing, friends? I mean, that's the power of this. That's right. (laughs) Katie, I want to come back to you because uh, I don't know if we showed your pictures, but one of the things I want everyone to see here is the generational impact one invitation can make. You often think that you're impacting that person. You're never impacting that person. Uh, every, every person here is a potentially impacting generations. And so Katie today, I'll never forget the conversation you and I had one Sunday down here on the front row a number of years ago. And I said, Hey, would you be, would you be open to ministry? And you stepped in, but there's so much behind that. And, um, If today you didn't have Jesus Christ in your life, you would be successful. I am convinced of it. You would be killing it in some industry. You would be hitting home runs in some profession. But what would be different for Katie Parks if Jesus Christ wasn't the Lord of your life?
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate the there. Uh, I truly feel like without um, Jesus Christ in my life and without living with that light and the hope, I would, I would be in darkness and it would be constantly in my brain. Why? What is all of this for? Is this truly just a rat race to six feet under? Like, is that really what it's all about? I'm not, um, I was raised in a mixed environment. Um, Religion was more about a scoreboard or a checklist or guilt or let's do this because this is what grandma says we have to do and we might get a donut if we're good and don't talk. Um, But truly living in the light and understanding that even in times of strife and actually as a believer Uh, one who is walking through it and learning more and more every single day, having good days, having bad days. Those periods of actual brokenness and heart, in the hardest times are when we're growing the most. So I look back at this, and when I took this job in ministry, my mom was like, is this a midlife crisis? Are we okay? (laughs) Um, And I constantly go back to that and go, actually, it's the best we've ever been. And that's because I truly come to, I don't even like to call it work, I get to go to Southbrook every single day and I get to comfort a sweet baby or listen to a teammate or make relationships or be vulnerable. And I don't cry, so this is really hard for me right now. Um, (laughs) Can ask anybody, they don't see this. but to have that opportunity to just go, what is that special sparkle? And to go, let me, let me just hear you. Let me just be there with you. It's that, mm-hmm. I now always have a warm, cozy blanket and I always have a flashlight, no matter how cold and how dark that room is. That's awesome. yeah.
0: So Lexi, you know, your story uh, with Christ is really personal because, again, your dad and I have been friends for so long. Your mom and dad literally met at Southbrook. So we can say that you wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Southbrook, <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for Jesus. And so what, as a, as a student navigating the um, landmines that are out there in your generation? What does Jesus mean to you today?
2: Okay, so um, when you asked that question, the first thing that really came to mind was kind of almost my testimony and how I have been going to Southbrook my whole life. And in my mind, sometimes I feel like that really, like, I don't know, it just kind of, it dampens my testimony in a way. Because I don't have this crazy story. I don't have, you know, I'm not, Whoever is standing next to me, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And the reality is, is from my perspective, it was one day I was shoved in a car, and bam, I was at church. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like it was. You know, that's just kind of how that went. Yeah. And I can't really look at any of you, and I can't really tell you what it's like not having faith, because even when I don't know why, for some reason, I just kind of hold on to it, because you know it's always been such a big aspect in my life, but. I can tell you I have looked at people around me. I'm in the arts, so naturally I'm, like, I'm exposed to a whole different culture and a whole bunch of different stuff. So I don't know. In those moments when I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what the next step is, or when I'm even over there, like, Lord, just shove words in my mouth and hope I'm connecting to someone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, like, I don't know how you live your life without Jesus, you know? It sounds so lonely and it sounds so awful. I mean, like, when I don't know who to go to, even my parents or my sister or anyone, you know, I always, all I have to think is, God, I need you in this situation. And that's what really brings me peace with all of it, comparatively to the loneliness.
0: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Greg, for you, I, again, I think you would you would be successful without Jesus. You could still have the hundred-inch flat screen. But I know your life would be radically different. How would it be different if Christ weren't the vibrant part of your journey today?
3: Well, I have had success in business, and I'm around a lot of people who are. Um, but I watch them just be empty. They're like. The, the more you're around people who don't believe at all, uh, it, there's a, it is a rat race then. It's just a.
0: And you're still a rat even if you win. Oh,
3: right? 100%. You're just clicking off days every time you get back in bed. And I still feel that way now. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm amazed at the things that we've been through and that everybody goes through. I can't imagine doing it without a belief. Um So when I went from religion, um, do, to done, which is one of the best examples you've ever done, um, that's what what changed. Mm. Because I was a part of everything that you have to do, and I didn't want to do any of those things, so I thought, I'm not a Christian. Um, And I lived most of my life feeling... Like, what's, what's wrong with me that I don't want to do any of these things that I'm supposed to do? Uh, we were supposed to do, you know, if, if everybody did the draw your swords and find the verse the fastest, and all I wanted to do was look at the hot girl next to me. So yeah. um, I, th- I thought there was something wrong with me.
0: You just represented a lot of guys sitting out here listening to this. <laughs> I, I want you to there's a couple of things that could have happened in this moment, is is there are people out there listening to this that oh my gosh, that's my story. And I want you to hear today, you matter to God. You didn't come after him first, he came after you first. But the other thing is all these stories are stories of non-isolation that could have been isolation. And I want you to hear a song now. And this song is titled, Satellite of Love. And listen closely to this song. And I want you to hear this through the lens of your life, that your life could have immediate meaning today if you just see yourself as a light-bearing satellite if that's, if you, immediately, immediately you walk out of here with a deeper level of meaning to everything you do. And um, there's a Greg, there's a Lexi, and there's a Katie that you could have an impact on. And it's the single greatest gift you could ever give someone is the light of Christ. There's no question. Let's give it up for these guys and share in sharing their story today. And let's listen to this song. Thanks, Greg. Thank you you know this has always meant so much to us this empty chair because it represents that person that only you not me but maybe you can bring out of the darkness into the marvelous light but there could be somebody out there that's waiting for your satellite call. And I know a lot of us look at ourselves like, "Me?" That's right. You're broken this and you're messed up. Beautiful mess. You could be the one that says, "Let me tell you about a light that I found." And this is, this is how the kingdom of light works, is everyone sees themselves as a city light. No matter where you are in your journey, you can see yourself there. This is, um, this at this church, this is our heartbeat. Um, nobody knows the brokenness of this place like I do. But I will tell you, there are so many Greg's and Lexi's and Katie's that know what it's like to live in the darkness and know what it's like to be in the light. And if today you want to come out of that, I'm going to be up here. And uh, I know, uh, you know, we have other pastors here. I'm going to ask them to come up too. So that after we're done, if today you go, I want to know the next step I need to take. Because maybe today you're that person. And we can direct you to step out of the darkness into the light. And then just become a light yourself. And I'll be standing up here. We'll pray with you. I'm going to ask some of our other pastors to come up with me again. But we'll pray with you. For others of you, anchor yourself around the light of Christ through communion before you go. Again, the reason we do this is to just make it a non-religious action. We're just not unconsciously passing the plate but it's something that we take the time to do with our spouse with our circle our small group who maybe by ourselves but why to anchor my life around there is only one who can solve the problem of guilt meaninglessness and death and it's the resurrected one amen Uh, Father, we live to introduce our friends and loved ones to the light of Christ. And as imperfect and flawed as all of our lives are, we are a mosaic of fractured glass that you bring together to make light come through. And uh, I pray that today, this final installment of this series has been a way that earth really has had heaven's light breakthrough. That all over there are guys like Greg who are saying, I can be a light. That's right. That there are students like Lexi saying, I don't have to wait and sow my wild oats. I can be a light right now in high school where it's so dark. And to people like Katie who can say, you know what? I could have been fine without him, but my life has been radically repurposed because of him. And this, our prayer, that today would be a day, literally, that in this room and in the places where this is being watched, the light of heaven broke through. And everybody in the name of Christ who agreed with that. And once your kingdom come, your will be done to happen on earth as it is in heaven. With me, you said what? Amen. We'll see you next week as we start our Christmas series, Southbrook.